Well, hey, New City Church, it's Pastor Ryan here. Uh, welcome to our midweek uh, Bible study, and uh, so glad that you are here with me this morning. And hopefully, these have been uh, helpful and encouraging. Um, I know they have been for me. Just uh, spending time uh, these last few weeks, we've been looking at First Corinthians uh, fifteen for actually three weeks, four weeks. Uh, we're going to do one more week after this in First Corinthians fifteen. And I, I just thought after Resurrection Sunday, it would be fun to look at some pretty profound teaching on the resurrection of Christ, uh, but also uh, our own resurrection and some teaching from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 on um, how is God renewing, how is God restoring, how is God making all things new, and, and what does the resurrection of Christ have to do with our lives, and uh, and, and what does that mean for us in the future? Um, and, and I thought, you know, in, in the midst of uh, this pandemic in the midst of uh, questions and, and, and people, you know, getting sick and dying and suffering. Um, people, you know, constantly ask the big question, well, what, what about this body? What about this life? What about, you know, the future? What about heaven? What about hell? What about, you know, all those kinds of things? And, and 1 Corinthians 15 is a really encouraging uh, place to, uh, to go to really understand Again, in a limited way, we only have so much information in the scriptures. Um, you know, we don't want to say things that the scriptures don't say, but um, but there's a lot of, uh, I think, interesting and helpful uh, teaching about uh, the resurrection, our own resurrection, and how God sees uh, everything and, and what God is up to in the world. And so, really glad that you're here. I just wanted to, just up front here, I'll mention it again at the end, but uh, just a reminder to the New City uh, Church community. Uh, that we will be gathering on June 7, uh, having a soft reopening. We're going to have services at 9 and 11, and you can come and join us for that. Um, and we're working really hard to make our facility safe, um, create lots of room for people to spread out, um, that as the virus is still alive and well, we want people to be safe. Uh, we won't have any child care for that, but uh, we'll give you some more details uh, down the road. But we look forward to gathering uh, as quote unquote normal as we can on uh, June 7th, Sunday, June 7th at 9 and 11. So be looking for more information on that. Uh, so this morning, we're going to continue in 1 Corinthians 15. And if you've been joining us for the last few weeks, uh, we've been, I've been talking about the dominoes of the resurrection. And what happens if we lose any of those dominoes, uh, in, in the, uh, the, the resurrection of Christ? What happens? And, and, and the reason I use that metaphor of dominoes is because that's kind of the, the imagery or the metaphor that Paul is using is there's some questions going on in this church in Corinth and they're asking, you know, what about the resurrection of the dead? What about my own resurrection? What about people that died already? Um, and Paul is, is answering those questions and saying, you know, if we lose the resurrection, here's what we lose. If we, if re the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen and it's not a historical reality, then our faith is futile. Our message is futile. There's no point. And so we looked at how Paul begins with, uh, the, the gospel is rooted and founded on the resurrection. That if we lose the cross, we lose the resurrection. We have no gospel. We have no message to share. We have no good news to share that we're still in our sin. Um, that's the, the foundational piece of our lives. 
That's how people come to Christ. That's how people are sustained in Christ. That this movement of Christianity only got off the ground because of the resurrection of Christ. Um, that they're not following around a, an idea or a dead Messiah or a dead rabbi. Um, as many uh, Messiahs had come before, but this one raised from the dead. So something happened in them. They were transformed by the bodily resurrection of Christ that, that launched this movement. They were willing to die for this message. And so people don't die for a lie. They don't die for a fantasy that 500 people saw Jesus raised from the dead and that changed everything. Um, and so that's what really launched the movement. And <clears throat> Paul keeps uh, talking as he kind of moves through First Corinthians of the, these dominoes of, you know, what about the future? Is our future secure if if there is no resurrection? And it can't be. We're still in our sin. There is no hope of life after death. There's no hope for those who have died uh, before us. Um, and so, so all of these dominoes that 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 Paul talks about are, are essential. For, for again, understanding what God is up to and, and, and how the resurrection shapes and forms us. Now, this morning, I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 35, and try to answer the question based on the text and the question that's being raised in the text is what about our bodies to come? And and, and I don't know if this metaphor works, but but where Paul is going, what he's trying to to kind of kind of do is think about a a car. Now, one of the phrases I like to use about automobiles is they're kind of these necessary evils uh, because you you buy this car and the moment you take it off the lot, it loses value. Um, in a few years, it's going to be in a heap somewhere. You're going to you know trade it in or get rid of it or sell it or whatever. They just don't last. Um, as much as technology has been great, they may, may last longer than, than in the past, but, but the reality is cars just don't, don't last. And so imagine an, an inventor or a car designer comes along and says, I, I've, I've finally figured it out. There's this new model, this new car, and it's going to go forever. And, uh, you know, and, the, and the question would be, well, what does this new car run on? What's the energy? What's the, the, uh, the way that it can keep going and going and going? How is it that the, the you know, Fenders don't rust out. The body doesn't break down. What kind of fuel does this uh, th- this new car run on? And what Paul's doing here in the, the last part of 1 Corinthians 15 is really saying, well, what is this new resurrection body and what does it run on? <laughs> How does it work? How does it function? Because we have these bodies now that you and I you know, live in and, and they, they break down and they, they don't last and we all are moving towards death. We're all getting weaker and feeble at, with every passing uh, day and every passing year. But what happens after we die? If we're Christians, what, 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 what does our new bodies run on? And that's, that's, that's his argument. So let's, let's look at, uh, how Paul answers that question in first Corinthians 15. I'm going to read verse 35 to 49. It says, but someone will ask, how are the dead, uh, raised with what kind of body do they come? And so what kind of body do they, does this new resurrection body run on you foolish person? What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly one is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For for star differs from star in glory. 
So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But if, if it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. As the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man in heaven. And so 1 Corinthians 35 to 49, Paul's trying to answer the question, what do these new bodies run on? And, and I think one of the, the key verses here in Paul's argument is kind of right in the middle, and it's verse 44. And it says, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And that's kind of his argument is we have these physical bodies, uh, these bodies that, that break down. Uh, these bodies we can we can touch right now, and, and we have arms, and we have legs, and we have minds, and we have hearts, and we have souls, and emotions, all, all that encompasses a phys- physical body. So, so he makes this argument that there's this, this one kind of body, this body that wears out, this body that's weak, this body that will one day die, a natural body, a natural body that's riddled with decay because of, of sin. But then there's a new body, a spiritual body that's to come, the resurrected body. Now, this little phrase has confused so many Christians and so many people, even outside the church and theologians for, for years and years. And, it, and I think it's confusing because we use this word natural and we use this word spiritual and we act as if this body is bad. So there's a spiritual body coming that's really good, but this one is, is really bad. But that's not what, what Paul means here. And I'm going to actually go back into the text and kind of look at these arguments because then you'll, I think we'll understand more fully what does he mean by natural and spiritual? And I think Jesus is really helpful on this um, in his own resurrection because he's using this dichotomy and this comparison of um, the, the the body of Adam and the bodies we received, our, our natural bodies, but also the spiritual body, the same bodies, resurrected bodies that we'll receive in Christ. So, um, so, so to answer that question, the natural and the spiritual, what do these bodies r- run on? Well, um, notice how, how he kind of uh, goes through this argument. And tries to make his point. So starting in verse 5, he, he asks that question, what is this, um, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body uh, do they come? What do they run on? Again, in the church, they're, they're questioning the resurrection. And, and Paul's engaging this because he's saying, if you, if you lose the resurrection, you lose everything. But now they're asking the question specifically, well, what's this body like? And he says, verse 36, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So there has to be a progression, a, a death, but then a resurrection, a, a, an old way, old body, and then a new physicality that's, that's to come. And what you sow is not the body is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. So he's using this agriculture analogy to say that, that our, our first bodies, these bodies that we have now, go in the ground first. There's a seed that is sown, but something else comes out of that seed. So when you and I go out in our vegetable gardens, um, I've been loving the memes uh, about the pandemic that everyone's become a gardener now um, and everybody's out in their yard and, and we're all professional uh, gardeners. I don't know if I, I've got fallen into that trap, you know, watching our, our things grow. So we put a seed in the ground. We put some, my wife and I put some flowers in the ground, some wild seed. The end result is not a seed. A seed doesn't 
give birth to seeds when it's sown. It, it gives birth to, it grows into a flower, it grows into peppers or tomatoes or whatever. So, so something has to be sown, something has to be put in the ground first so something else can come out of it. The, our natural bodies are put in the ground so the spiritual body will one day be resurrected from the dead. So there's this progression. And Paul's just playing with these analogies because he goes on in verse 38, but God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind its own own body. So there's these different bodies, a natural body, a spiritual body. He says, for not all 39, not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. Again, you look at the, the natural world, you look at God's creation, obviously fish and birds and all the different animals and humans have different types of bodies. They function in different, different ways. And so he, he again, saying there, there's different physicality there's there's a different body that we uh, will experience there's there's a natural body but then that body has to be put in the ground first so that a new body can uh, emerge can can be resurrected can come to life in a new new way um, and, and that's I, I think really in, important on, on a couple levels already is that there's just this this deep longing for all of us. And I think all of our marketing is built on this because what is marketing essentially about? You need these things so you can live longer. You need these things so you can live the good life. And a lot of it has to do with our bodies, right? The supplements we take, the food we eat, you know, we become these just obsessive foodie people, um, right? What we put in our body. And, and, and that's not all bad. I mean, we've learned things from science and, you know, and those kinds of things. But, but everything's about, well, how do I keep this physical body going forever? Why is it so devastating when someone dies? Why is it so devastating when you lose your health or you lose the functionality of your body, your mind, your, your, your arms, your legs, that maybe they don't function. Maybe we're in a wheelchair, right? That we have a disability, we suffer, right? There's a sense of, of, of kind of loss. And I think it's a, it's an echo because eternity is built into the hearts of men. There's this echo in us that says this isn't the way it's supposed to be. That we all are born full of life and that we all move towards weakness and feebleness. We all, we're all moving in that way. I know as I get older, right, we get out of bed and it's like, man, I, my ankle hurts and it's just from sleeping or a heavy comforter or what have you. But it's this, this reality that we cannot fight back. And so Paul's using these, these analogies that there's this thing that has to happen first before another body can be born. There's a seed that has to be sown before another body can come uh, to life. And it all has a place and God has wired and designed things in a certain, certain way. And so as we move through 39 to kind of 41, he, he continues that argument of just a different physicality. If you notice in verse 40, he says there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Very clear there, right? So there's two different physicalities, one that's coming. There, there's one glory of the sun, 41, again, using creation, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from stars in glory. And again, he's picking up on Genesis 1, this we're made in the image of God. From dust we came, just like Adam, God breathed life into us. And so he's saying there's an earthly body and there's a physical body. They're not the, exactly the same thing. And he'll, he'll make that point very, very clear here in just, just a moment. That that, that, that that there's this body that's in decay, it's in process of going in the ground, and there's a body that is coming back to life, and it's new, and it's new, and it functions as it should, and it doesn't get tired, and it doesn't sin, and it doesn't uh, have sorrow, and it doesn't get cancer, and it doesn't have disabilities, and we don't get depression, 
or have worry or anxiety. There's a, there's a new body coming that God has, has initiated by, ultimately, as this whole chapter is about, the resurrection of Christ. And so that's where he goes to 42, and he makes that very clear of our earthly bodies and our spiritual bodies and what that means. So verse 42, So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. So the resurrection of the dead, he said, makes it very clear, what is sown is perishable. So what, is, what dies, what goes in the ground, our, our physical bodies uh, is perishable and, and dishonored. Again, it's not saying that our bodies are bad. It's not saying that God hates physicality. That's not it at all. This idea of dishonor is when, when we go to a funeral and we watch someone put, we, when I've done funerals and, and, or you've been to a funeral and you, you watch a body go in the ground, there's a dishonor there. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Right? We, we were full of life, had a personality, had character, had, you know, live life, the, the, the impact people have on our lives, and then, and then it ends. There's a dishonor, there's a shame there, because that's not the way it's supposed to be. Sin and death are not the way it's supposed to be. There's a weakness there, Paul says. Right? We, we, we can't fight, fight back our own bodies. We can't fight back that they are in decay, that they are going toward death, that they are not going to function at, at some point, that one day someone will probably have to take care of us because we can't take care of ourselves. So, so that's his, his argument. It's sown in dishonor, it's ra- but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. So there's the, the hope side. It's, it's, even though it goes in the ground, even though it's weak, even though it's feeble, it's coming back into a new physicality. Not the natural one that can't fight death, but now a spiritual one that will never die, that takes on a new look, that it runs, it's a new car, and it runs on something different. So how does it run? Verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Now, earlier I mentioned that this text is just totally misunderstood. There's a natural body and a spiritual body, and, and you know, one is, is the bodies we, we see and, and we experience, and they're broken, and then there's some kind of spiritual, angelic, woo-woo body. But, here's, here's the, but notice Paul's argument here. Notice how he defines what a spiritual body is. Verse 45, thus is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So Adam, our first parents, Adam and Eve in the garden, the first humans, made in the image of God just like us, perfect harmony with God, perfect harmony with each other, with creation. Sin comes in the world, rebellion breaks out, all is fractured, death comes in, sin comes in. That's We're born of the dust, just like the scriptures say, that, that's you and me, the, the physical body, the earthly body, just like Adam. We're, we're born, made in the image of God. But this, the last Adam, referring to Christ, is a life-giving spirit. So the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the scriptures say, we read that in Romans, is the same spirit that raises our Adam bodies from the grave. But if you remember in the Gospels, when we see Jesus' resurrected body, it's not a spiritual body in the sense of it's angelic and it's floating around and it doesn't have physicality. No, Jesus was raised from the dead and said, hey, can we have some fish? Can we have breakfast? Right? He's eating food. Now, there's some scenes where he's, you know, goes through a door. We don't know. So it's a different body in some sense. It's a spiritual body. It's a new version. 
But now this new body runs on the Spirit of God himself, the presence of God himself, that it works and it functions because God is fully in control of it and it will never die because now God's life-giving Spirit is in us forever. So it's not like the old rusty car that breaks down that we have to trade in every five years. It's a body that now runs on the Spirit of God himself. So if you keep going, he makes these these comparisons again in verse 46, but it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. So we have to go in the ground, we have to die, that's the natural part, but then the spiritual resurrected body comes to life. 47, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust, the second man is from heaven. Again, the earthly body, we're born in Adam, but we come alive in Christ. There's an earthly man, earthly body. There's a heavenly man, a, a spiritual body. So we receive that same spiritual body, that same heavenly body that Jesus received. The same body he has now, fully alive, fully physical. Fully physical? Is that a word? I don't know. Physical. We could touch it. We can see it. The, the body. We don't know fully what that's going to be like in the new heavens and the new earth, but, but, but our bodies function as they should. There's no more sin and sorrow and suffering in these new resurrected bodies, the heavenly body that Jesus gives us at our own resurrection. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so also those who are of heaven. 49, just as we have been, have been born the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of man of heaven. Again, a direct reference to Jesus. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we will receive the same exact resurrection that he had. We will receive the same kind of bodies that he had, a fully physical body, a body that Paul made an argument earlier of the 500 people that saw his physical body that you could touch, that he said, hey, if you don't believe I'm, I'm, I'm raised from the dead, Thomas, just touch my hands, touch my feet. You can see me. You can touch me. He spent 50 days with these people, eating with them, laughing with them, talking with them, teaching them in a spiritual, fully physical, resurrected body. But a body without pain, a body that wasn't able to sin, a body that didn't experience sorrow. Now, obviously, Jesus didn't sin, but but our own bodies. Now, it's hard for us to, to imagine that. It's hard to us to even begin to fathom a body that actually works, that doesn't get tired, doesn't experience anxiety or depression or the emotional ups and downs. It doesn't sin. But I was thinking, what, you know, what are some some applications. So what? What, is this, what does this mean? I mean, again, this is nice, Paul, all the arguments about the resurrection and our resurrected bodies. How does this help us? Well, I think there's a couple things um, when I think about the, this text. is One is we don't have to buy into the obsession over our own physical bodies in this life. Now, I, I say that with a caveat. That doesn't mean our bodies aren't a temple of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that we don't care about the good body that God has given us. But we have this problem in our culture where we obsess over how we look, the food we eat, how much exercise we get. And again, those aren't bad things. I'm not saying just don't care about yourself and don't care about your body. That's, that's an important part of stewardship. But there's an unhealthy obsession over trying to keep this body going for as long as possible, as if this is the whole game. As if this is the end, right? As if this earthly body that is, is born in Adam, 
that is going in the grave, that is going to get weak and feeble, as if that's the only thing that matters. So we spend so much energy and so much time obsessing and worrying about this body that we get to very idolatrous, unhealthy places. We spend a lot of money and a lot of energy trying to keep this thing going as much as we can. And again, hear me, this doesn't mean we don't get on the treadmill. It doesn't mean we don't eat broccoli or get some vitamins in our system. I'm not saying that at all. I do, I do all of those things. But, but not for the sense of, well, maybe I can squeeze out another year. Maybe I can squeeze out another 50 years. Because I think there's some things happening in culture that are a little bit scary that we're, we're trying to figure out how to keep humans alive forever and ever and ever. And that's because we don't understand 1 Corinthians 15. Why do we need to do that when we have an even better model coming, a better model of the body coming, a better car coming that's never going to die, and it's animated and sustained by God himself and the life-giving spirit of God forever and ever and ever to rule and reign with him, right? So, so don't obsess over our body. Secondly, if you suffer, currently are suffering, if you currently have disabilities, is it's only temporary. It's only temporary. I love the way Paul says that our current sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. And all of us are going to go through that at some point. Whether we have severe mental health, physical health, disabilities, whether when we get older, our bodies just break down where we just can't function. Those days are coming. Like if we live a long time, th- those days are coming. There will be a time where we cannot f- physically do the things we used to do because our bodies are breaking down. But the hope of this chapter is it's only temporary. In light of eternity, our 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years on, on earth, Lord willing, is a blip. It's a blink in eternity which I think almost fits with point one. It's just this unhealthy obsession. We can't, you know, some of us, again, we can't fight back cancer. We can't fight back disability. Sometimes those things happen. Accidents happen, right? right. But if we're obsessed with it and we forget about the scope of eternity and what God is doing through his resurrection, what he's done through the resurrection of Christ and how we are going to get these new spiritual bodies, it's no big deal for this life. It's only temporary. It's only temporary. I, I remember, um, uh, 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 I'm blanking on her, on her name, but she's a, um, a well-known Christian uh, pastor, uh, Joni uh, Erickson Tata. Um, and she, she's had a disability and been paralyzed since she was a, a late teenager. And, um, and she talked about, you know, the, the things that she can't do, like she can't get on her knees and pray. And she, she, you know, physically obviously can't go swim in the ocean anymore and things like that. And, um, but she said, you know, one day though, when I get to heaven is I'll be, be able to do all those things again. I'll be able to run and play and, and pray and, and be with my, my master, my King and, and be with God's, God's people. And, and, to think to have that perspective always kind of blew me away that she said I, this this is only temporary i'm going to be dancing with jesus one day and then last um death should not be a fear for us like like there there's all these these fears of you know I, here's how i want to die you know um i, I want to go quietly in my sleep and of, of course i mean nobody wants to suffer or whatever but for the christian there there shouldn't be any fear 
That if we're in Christ Jesus, we're trusting in the person and work of Christ, the resurrected Christ. His resurrection is ours. Every blessing in Christ is our blessing. We don't have to live with a fear of death. We don't have to live with a fear of suffering or disability, of this body breaking down, because again, it's only, only temporary. That God is renewing the entire creation, which includes our own physical bodies. I think that's what drives our obsession with our, our physical bodies and trying to keep them healthy and strong is this fear of death, this fear of what will happen if my body breaks down. The 1 Corinthians 15 is really helpful because here's the, here's the thing. We live in the 21st century and you know modern medicine and we can go down the street and go to a hospital and get medicine when, when our bodies begin to break down and, and we have surgeries we can have. This is addressed to people that didn't have any of those things that people died from all kinds of sickness and disability. There's nothing you could do. So think of the hope that, that Paul's laying out for them to say, hey, those that have passed on, those that are struggling, those that are suffering, those that are being persecuted, those, are, those that are hurt, those bodies that are breaking down, those are the people that are getting older, here's some hope that we have. This isn't wishful thinking. It's actually rooted in historical reality and the reality of what Jesus accomplished in his own resurrection. And how he invites us into that, to be resurrected with him, just like his own spiritual resurrection. So I hope that encourages you today. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, I encourage you to just read that over if you haven't uh, been joining us and, and look that over. And, and hopefully that will encourage you that whatever you're walking, encourage us for this moments that we're living in and also in the future. As our bodies begin to break down, that we have this hope of resurrection, that our bodies will be more alive than they've ever been. And that's even hard to imagine. Um, imagine your best day and your day when your body's feeling its best and, and imagine, uh, times that by a million. Um, and so I, I look forward to that day with you. So if there's anyone, uh, on, uh, right now that would like to, uh, if you need any prayer for anything, I'd love to pray for you, um, this morning. If not, I'll just say a, a general prayer and that's totally fine too. Um, and, and just also remember again, uh, we'll be gathering on Sunday like normal online. We're going to continue to work through Romans 8 for the next couple of weeks. Looking forward to that. Uh, we'll be in verses uh, 14 and uh, and following, I think, to 26 or so. And uh, so check that out, uh, 10 a.m. on Sunday. And then uh, June 7th, we're going to launch two services, 9 and 11, and have a soft reopening at New City uh, Church. And we'll have some more updates on that as well. So Juan, I pray for you, and I pray that you'll have a, a wonderful day. Lord, uh, thank you for the resurrection of Christ because it's a promise that our own bodies will one day be resurrected. More alive than we've ever been alive. More uh, function in a way that we can't even imagine. So thank you for you You care for us in the, the smallest ways and the biggest ways. I pray that even as our bodies are, are broken, even as we experience suffering and disability and sickness, that we know healing is ultimately coming. So we don't have to live in fear that we can say with confidence that this isn't the last word because of Jesus' resurrection. So I pray that would give us hope today. I pray for those that are suffering, especially in, in this pandemic, those that are losing loved ones, those that are experiencing sickness. May you bring healing, may you bring restoration, and also may you bring hope, remembering 1 Corinthians 15, that we all have the promise of resurrection if we are in Christ, that we would look to him to say this doesn't have the last say. Encourage our souls today. Help us uh, be with us. 
and, and all the tasks we have and whether that's homeschooling kids or um, uh, whether we're at home, whether we're working, whether we're resting, whatever we're doing, God, I just pray you'll give us, give us faith and give us hope and give us peace today by your spirit. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in God's grace. Go in God's peace. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.